Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Amen. How many of you are glad we've got a God that's sitting on a throne? Amen. He's high and lifted up this evening. Amen. Above all of our trials, our tribulations, our storms, our sorrows, our sadnesses, our sicknesses, He's seated high above it all. Amen. He's on the throne this evening. Amen. You may be seated. It's so good to see you in the house of the Lord. And I pray that you are blessed for your diligence this evening. As always, before we go to the Word, we're going to ask that the Lord just anoint our time together and bless us. I'm continuing. If you weren't with us last week, I'm actually continuing on a series called The Armor of God. I had planned on finishing this evening, but the Holy Ghost just kept me on one particular spot. So we'll see if we finish up next week. But before we continue in the Word and read, it's in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. We'll read it in a moment, but let's go to the Lord in prayer. Amen. Father God, we are just grateful and thankful that you are seated on the throne this evening. God, you're seated high above all the things that we might encounter in life. And I'm thankful, God, that you have invited us to be seated in heavenly places as well. You've invited us through your son, Jesus Christ, to come boldly before your throne room of grace that we might find help in our time of need. And God, I'm the first to confess I need your help this evening. I need your Holy Spirit. I need your anointing. I need your wisdom, your strength, your power. Everything that you have, I need, God. And your people need the same. God, I pray that you would anoint me and that you would anoint the people as well. Give them ears to hear, hearts to receive, and give us all the courage to respond. I pray that you would come against every hindering spirit, every distraction, anything that would try to rise up against your word and your spirit this evening. We bind it in the name of Jesus Christ so that your people might be free. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people once again said, Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. How many of you know it's all about Him and not us? Amen? It's all about His strength and not our own. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, and how many of you know the day of evil will come? If you haven't experienced one yet, you will. But that you might be able to stand firm when the day of evil comes, so that you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth put on around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness put in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace or the gospel of Jesus Christ. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Amen? Last week, we looked particularly at verses 10 and 11. 
We looked at the schemes of Satan. We looked at the plan of our enemy and what his purpose for our lives is. We looked at the agenda of our adversary. And as you all well know, he gives three simple orders to his minions. Steal, kill, to destroy. His sole goal concerning our lives is to devour everything that God has for us. Everything that God wants for us. And that's what we looked at last week. So Paul being aware of the devil's tactics... Paul being aware of these schemes, Paul being aware of the devil's plan, which is opposite of God's plan, he writes to the church in Ephesians, he writes to us as well, and he tells us in order to overcome, in order to be able to stand firm, in order to to be able to stand our ground, in order to do battle against these dark uh, demons that dwell in heavenly realms, we must put on the full armor of God. Not part of it. Not pieces of it, but Paul said, put on the full armor of God. You see, the reality is if we leave off one piece, we're destined for destruction. If we leave off one piece, our victory is going to be fleeting. It won't be as easy to come by if we choose to leave off a piece. You see, the reality is you can put on every single piece there is, and if you forget to take up the sword of the Spirit, you will still not win. You can put on all the other pieces of armor, but if you forget to take up the helmet of salvation and wrap it around your mind, victory will still be fleeting. You can put on all the other pieces. You can take up every piece that we're told to take up, but if you forget to put the belt of truth around your life... If you leave off the breastplate of righteousness, which we'll look at again, victory will still be fleeting. We must put on the full armor of God. Not the armor of man. Not the, ar- not the armor of philosophers. Not the armor of teachers. Not the armor of anyone else. But the full armor of God. Well, you understand there's a difference, and we'll look at that as we go. But we must put on the full armor of God. What we discovered in the first, what we discovered last week was that in the, the first three parts of armor, Paul discusses in chapter six, they are only available through Jesus Christ. We cannot acquire the first three parts or pieces of armor that we looked at last week on our own. We cannot produce them on our own. We cannot manufacture them on our own. We cannot negotiate for them. We cannot produce them on our own. The first three pieces of armor are produced and provided and put on by Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. He is the one that applies them to our life because it's not by works that we are saved, church. Remember, it is not by our own doing. It is not by our own deeds. It is by the work of Jesus Christ that you and I are saved. And it's by the work of Jesus Christ that these first three pieces are applied to our life. It's what we looked at last week. So if you weren't here, I'm just recapping to give you the same good news. The first piece that we looked at was the belt of truth. And I want you to remember Jesus said, I am the truth. There's no other way to the truth than through Jesus Christ. No other way to that revelation. No other way to that, that, that truth that is offered and available to us other than through Jesus Christ. There's no other way to freedom other than through Jesus Christ. Remember the Word of God says, You shall know the what? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. 
The only way we can find freedom, church, from sin and death is through the truth. It's through Jesus Christ because He is the truth. The only way we can find freedom from spiritual death, the only way we can find freedom from the lies and the attacks and the, and the, the condemnation and the deception of the enemy is through the truth, which is Jesus Christ. So what we have to remember is that the devil is the father of lies. The devil is the demon of deception. And the only way that we can overcome the lies, the only way we can overcome the deception, the only way we can overcome those false doctrines that the devil tries to facilitate in your life is by having the belt of truth wrapped around our lives. We must put on the belt of truth. You and I will never win the battle. Unless we come to the truth, you and I will never win the battle unless we walk in the truth. You and I will never win the battle unless the truth holds every part of our faith together. Put on the belt of truth. The second piece we looked at real quick was the breastplate of righteousness. And again, we are the righteousness of God only through Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us our righteousness is like filthy rags. Our righteousness is dirty. Our righteousness is smelly. Our righteousness is like filthy rags. And without the work of Jesus Christ, without the blood of Jesus Christ, without the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, without the righteousness of Jesus Christ, church, we cannot stand blameless before the Father. And the reality is, without the breastplate of righteousness and the blood of Christ, we can't stand up in front of the enemy either. It is the only thing that allows us to stand face to face with the enemy and overcome. It is the blood of Jesus Christ in our lives. We cannot forget that, church. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. What we have to do is we must exchange our unrighteous rags for the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We must allow the Lord Himself to take out a heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. A heart that has been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. A heart that pumps and beats and longs for the things of God and God Himself. A heart that has been, had all the stains of sin removed from it. Washed white as snow through the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the breastplate of righteousness. And it only comes through Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how good we are. It doesn't matter how nice we are. It doesn't matter how kind we are. How powerful we are. How, it doesn't matter how uh, connected we are. Or how wealthy we are. The reality is we all need the breastplate of Christ's righteousness applied to our lives in order to win this spiritual fight and battle we're in. The final piece we looked at last week were the shoes of salvation. And I want to pick up a little bit more on that before I get to the shield of faith. The final piece was the shoes of salvation, you might say. The shoes to carry the good news of Christ across the battlefield into the world and into enemy territory. Enemy territory. If you remember what I said last week, the shoes, the caliga, was the name of the shoes for the Roman soldiers that they wore. And it is said that the shoes that they wore were the secret to their conquests. The reality is, unless we put on these shoes, we cannot advance into enemy territory. Unless we put on these shoes and answer the call of Christ upon our lives, we cannot advance the kingdom of God. Without these shoes, we cannot win. 
And we must have them put on our feet. But here's what I want you to notice, which I didn't cover last week. This part of the, this part of the armor is a two-piece part of the armor. One on each foot. It's the only piece that Paul mentions, that the only part that has two pieces. And the reality is, and the reason why, is one piece represents God's work and the other represents ours. One piece represents God's responsibility and the other piece represents ours. The reality is God has done His work. The reality is Christ has said it is finished. The reality is God has given us everything we need pertaining to life and righteousness. His work is done. It was accomplished on the cross. And now somewhere in this faith walk, it shifts from God to us. It shifts from God's responsibility to our responsibility. And if no one's told you this, let me be the first to tell you, when it comes to being a Christian, we have responsibility. When it comes to Christianity, there is a work we must do because of the work Christ already did. We can't wait around for Christ and God to do all the work on our behalf. He's already done it. Now we got to walk out in it. And it's what we're going to look at, especially when it comes to the shield of faith. So many of us wait around for God to do what we should be doing. And this is what God wants us to understand. And this is why this part of the armor is two parts. It's, it, it's, it's a representation of where it shifts from God to us. And this is where God wants to take us. What we looked at last week was the Word of God tells us in Revelations 11 that they, and when it says they, it means the, the, the disciples and the apostles, the followers of Christ, the Christians. It says they overcame. They conquered. They overcame the enemy church. They were more than conquerors by the blood of the Lamb, by the work of Christ, and by the word of their own testimony. It's a two-piece part of armor. God did His part. Now we must do ours. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. We advance into enemy territory, and we overtake enemy territory by the blood of the Lamb and by putting on these shoes and advancing the kingdom of God ourselves. Go into all the earth, Jesus said. Even in Genesis, he blessed them and told them to go forth and multiply. He put a responsibility on his people. He empowered them to do it, and then he said, go do it. And he did the same thing with us, church. He blessed us, gave us everything we need pertaining to life and righteousness, and then said, go. And we're still sitting around sometimes. God said, go. But what we have to realize, listen, even though it was God's work, even though, even though part of this piece of armor represents God's work, what we have to realize when it comes to the testimony, our testimony only comes through Christ as well. Our testimony only comes through Jesus Christ. Just like we can only come to the truth through Jesus Christ. Just like we can only acquire the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ, we can only have a testimony because of the work of Christ as well. Listen, without Christ, we have no testimony. 
Without the blood of Jesus Christ, we have no testimony. Without the wondrous work of Jesus Christ, we have no testimony, church. Here's what I want you to understand. Without His work, without His blood, without His sacrifice, we have no word worth speaking. Without the wondrous work of Jesus Christ, we got nothing worth saying. Because without Jesus Christ, we got no testimony. We can talk, but it'll be idle chatter. It'll be valueless. It, it, won't, it won't mean anything. You see, the reality is, unless your words, please understand what I say, unless your words contain the, the work of Jesus Christ, they cannot advance the kingdom of God. You and I stand around talking about a bunch of earthly, uh, valueless chatter. It doesn't advance the kingdom of God. I'm not saying it's evil to talk about other things. I'm just letting you know right now, it's idle chatter. It will not advance you in the kingdom of God, and it won't advance the kingdom of God either. We've got to learn to make sure our words have value. We've got to make sure that our words contain the wondrous work of Jesus Christ. That our words contain the power of the blood. That our words contain the wondrous work of heaven. That's what a testimony is all about. A testimony is about the great work of God in our lives. And if it doesn't contain, listen, if our mouth opens up and puts forth words that don't contain the, the, the power of heaven, they're idle. They've got no power. They, they do nothing to forward or advance the kingdom of God or the cause of Jesus Christ. We have to keep that in mind. Without Christ, we have no testimony Without Christ, we have no song that's worth singing. We have no words that are worth speaking, church. Listen, as I said, this is a two-part piece of armor because Christ provides it, but we have to carry it. Christ gives it to us, and now we have to carry it. God gives us a testimony through Christ, and now we have to carry that testimony to this world. Go therefore into all the earth and preach the good news, Jesus said. Go into all the earth and preach the good news of the gospel. Go therefore into, because of what I've done. See, every time it says therefore, you got to see what it's there for. He said, go therefore because of the great and wondrous work I've done through Jesus Christ. Go therefore into all the earth and preach the good news. Share the power of your testimony. Go therefore into all the earth by putting on the good old gospel shoes and carrying the message of Jesus Christ into the dark places of this world. Go into all the earth and preach the gospel, Jesus said. Open your mouth and proclaim with your lips words that are worth speaking. The reality is we can waste our entire day standing around a water cooler at work talking about sports and talking about soap opera and talking about politics and talking about Hollywood. And it, those words have no value. They do nothing to advance the kingdom of God or to release the power of God in your life or anyone else's. When we stand around the water cooler and words begin to flow from our mouths, they should be filled with the power of heaven. They should be able to move the kingdom forward in our lives. Make sure this is what a testimony is all about. There's times I can sit around and talk. Listen, I don't mind just 
talking with people, talking about the things that I don't mind that. And I, I'm the first to talk about politics and all that. But there's people, boy, I can sit with them and talk for an hour. And I'm wondering where any words from the Father are. I'm wondering, where is this? Where is the Word of God? Where are some words worth speaking that release power into their life? We've got to watch the words we speak, church. We open our mouth, our mouth should proclaim words worth speaking and the wondrous work of Jesus Christ. This is what the shoes of salvation are all about. We are to go into the highways and the byways carrying the good news of Jesus Christ to a dying world. This is, this is the call Christ has put upon our lives, church. The truth is without these shoes, the world won't know. Without the shoes that I'm talking about, the kingdom of God cannot advance. You want to know why so many Christian lives are falling and failing? You want to know why so many churches are falling and failing today? Because they're speaking all kinds of words, but they're not advancing the kingdom of God. The church no longer is the mission work of the world. Especially in the United States. We're so afraid to preach the gospel. We're so afraid to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We're so afraid when it comes to to sharing the wondrous work of Jesus Christ. This is how you advance the kingdom. This is how you overtake the enemy. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your own testimony. It's how we overcome. And this is, yet this is where the church is stuck. I will do all kinds of wondrous things, but we're not preaching the gospel. We're not taking the good news to our next door neighbor. We're not sharing it at the water cooler. We're not sharing it with our coworker. We're not sharing it with the stranger that we know needs God. And we wonder why we're not gaining any ground. We wonder why the work of the kingdom just seems to be struggling because we are not preaching the gospel. I know we are from here. I'm not saying we never do, but you understand what I'm saying? It's time to put on the shoes and carry the gospel to a lost and dying world. And when we do, you watch the enemy scatter. When we do, you see how quickly the power of God is released into our lives. How then can they call on the one whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they go out? For it is written, how beautiful, how lovely are the feet of those who bring good news. How lovely and how beautiful it is those individuals are who have their feet shod with the readiness of the gospel. Those who have a testimony worth telling. How beautiful are those, God said. The truth is Christ provided the testimony, but now we have to carry it. Now we have to share it. Christ provided the shoes, and now guess what? We have to walk in them. As I go on, I want us to remember that the armor, this is the armor of God, like I said. And it is available only through Jesus Christ. There's plenty of imitation armor out there, church. There is plenty, there are, excuse me for that, there are plenty of lies to go around. There's plenty of false doctrine. There's plenty of false philosophies. There's plenty of self-help books offering ardent advice for our own personal lives. But please understand me, unless all of that has been washed in the blood of the Lamb, 
Unless all of that has been to the grave and back. Unless all of that stuff has nail scars in its hand and nail scars in its feet and, and a sword uh, mark in its side. Unless it has scars around its brow, church, because of the thorns that were pressed upon it. I want you to understand that it's nothing more than a cheap knockoff. I want you to understand that all of that other stuff, church... Unless it's the armor of God is a cheap imitation that costs nothing to manufacture, nothing to make. I want you to understand that the armor of God cost God something. I want you to understand that the armor of God that we're to put on cost Jesus Christ his life. And if there's anything else besides that that you try to put on, if you try to put on the philosophies of man, you're going to lose the battle. If you try to put wrap yourself in the lies of this world, you're going to lose in the battle. You must put on the full armor of God. We cannot afford to wear imitation armor in this spiritual battle that we're facing. You can't afford to walk out onto the battlefield with some cheap imitation, church. I want you to understand there's a lot of people that, that Sunday morning, they put on some cheap little uh, imitation armor. They go out during the week and they put on this cheap little imitation armor and they wonder why they're dead halfway through the day. Because they have not taken the time to put on the full armor of God and because they don't understand what it cost God to give it to them. We need to be careful what we wrap ourselves in church. We must be careful what we wrap around us and put our confidence in. We're going to look at that in a minute in the last few minutes that I have as we go. But we cannot afford to put on imitation armor. The armor of God is the only thing that can protect us. The first three pieces we are to put on, now it's time to take up, Paul said. Christ did his part, now it's our turn. It's our turn to advance the kingdom of God. It's to advance the gospel, defend the gospel, fight for the gospel, promote the gospel, and preach the gospel. And the first thing that Paul tells us to take up is the shield of faith. Take up the shield of faith, Paul said. And what I want you to understand is that to every one of us, the Bible says, has been given a measure of faith. Every single one of us in this place right now, if you call yourself a Christian, you've been given a measure of faith. You've been given a segment of faith. You've been given a piece of faith. You've been given what the interpretation actually means is you have been given a seed of faith. Every one of us have been given a seed of faith. And what you do with that seed will determine your destiny. What you do with that seed will determine whether you end up dead on the battlefield or marching forward for God. I want you to understand, there's a lot of people that think, well, that person's been given more faith than me, and that person's been given more... No! The Word of God says to each of us, each of us has been given a measure of faith. It's what you do with that faith that determines where you end up in your faith. You see, the reason that you look at some people and think they have more faith is because somewhere along the way, when an enemy stood before them, they reached into their pocket and they took out that little seed of faith and they threw it out in front of them and it began to grow and it began to do something incredible and it began to release the supernatural power of God. And that little bitty seed now can move mountains. That little bitty seed now can heal the sick. That little bitty seed can now drive out demons because they took that little measure of faith and did something with it. 
The problem is there's so many of us walking around with our faith in our pocket and we think it's a piece of lint. And God is waiting for you to reach down deep when you're facing your trials and facing your tribulations and take out that little seed and say, God, you're going to do something great with this little seed. I'm going to plant it and you're going to cause it to grow. Amen. This is what God means when He says, Take up the shield of faith. Take up the shield of faith. James said, listen. James said, You have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds. And I will show you my faith by what I do. See, understand it's not enough to talk about faith. It's not enough to preach about faith. It's not enough to sing about faith. It's not enough to preach about faith. James said, you got to do faith. you got to act out faith. You see, when he talked about faith, he made it a verb. Faith is a verb. It is an action. you got to do something with faith. You can talk about faith all you want, but until you plant it in the middle of your trouble... Until you plant it in the middle of your sickness. Until you plant it in front of your Goliath. Until you plant it and cast it in front of your walls at Jericho. You'll be defeated every time. Be defeated. Listen. Faith is an action. God is waiting for us to act in faith. Walk, he said, by faith. Walk by faith and not by sight. Go forward in faith and not by sight, church. And I don't even know how much time I'm going to finish all this. I don't even know if I'll finish faith. But here's what I want you to understand. Remember, when David stepped into the valley of Elah to fight Goliath, excuse me, the Bible says he took off the armor of man and he put on the armor of God. Saul himself gave David... A set of armor that was fashioned and formed by the hands of men. And when David put it on, he, ah, there's something don't feel right about this. He said to Saul, I've never been to battle with this armor. I've never been to war with this armor, Saul. It's never proved itself faithful in my life. It never delivered me before. This, there's something about this armor. It feels like it's been fashioned by the hands of man. And it don't fit. So he took it off. And this little ruddy boy walks out into the battlefield, into the valley of Elah. He faces a nine-foot giant wrapped around in the armor of God. And it's what delivered him, church. Because he decided, look, he knew if I walk out there in this imitation armor, I'm going to die. I won't be able to move right. I won't be able to do. I won't find victory. So he shrugged it off and he walked out in the full armor of God. And because he did, church, he found victory. Because he did, he, he found success over the enemy. The Bible says he stepped out, you know, he spoke against the enemy, he acted against the enemy, and he conquered the enemy. I know David used a slingshot, church, but he walked out, church, in the full armor of God, and he used the divine weapons of his warfare that were made available to him. And, he, and, and because he did, he wrought victory in the valley for the entire army of Israel. Please understand, the devil is not afraid of earthly weapons. 
The devil's not afraid of earthly imitations, like I just said, because they have no power over him. They cannot defeat him. The devil's not afraid of, of weapons we can see. Of weapons we can see. He's not afraid of guns. He's not afraid of knives. He's not afraid of verbal threats. He's not afraid of anything that can be manufactured by the mind of man or by the hands of man. You understand what he... He's not afraid of those things. The only thing the devil is afraid of are the divine weapons of warfare that have been formed and fashioned by the hand of God himself. You see, you can be hurling all kinds of insults against the devil. You can be pulling out all your your physical swords and all kinds of junk against him, and he stands there laughing at you. But as soon as he sees you reach into your pocket, and he sees you pull out a seat of faith, or he sees you pull out the Word of God, or he sees you begin to put on the helmet of salvation, he begins to tremble. It's the only thing that has power over the devil are the divine weapons of our warfare. We gotta stop fiddling around with these earthly weapons that we think we've got and begin to trust in the divine weapons of our warfare. It's the only thing that will drive the devil away, church. Please understand, the devil knows that the divine weapons of his warfare have the power to demolish strongholds has the power to tear down strongholds, places where he has been dug in, places where he's got a foothold and nothing has been able to move him. But he knows that as soon as you and I begin to demonstrate and use those divine weapons of warfare, that foothold begins to give way. That foothold and that stronghold begins to break and then God rushes in. And chases out the enemy. Here's what we've got to remember. Look at David. When he went into the battle, when he went into battle, Goliath, he didn't carry a physical shield. He carried a shield of faith. Faith went before him, church. Faith stood before him. Faith stood between him and Goliath. And his faith is what released the power of God onto the battlefield. Faith is what released God to do his thing. I don't know about you. I'm tired of doing my thing. I want God to do his thing. When I'm standing before a nine foot Goliath. I want God to do his thing. I want God to rise up strong. I want God to rise up powerful. I want God to drive out the enemies before me. The only way that happens. Is when we lift up the shield of faith. It's the only time, listen, I, I want you to understand this. God doesn't stand behind faith. He doesn't stand behind the shield of faith. God don't need to stand behind any shield. He's God all by himself. God waits for a shield of faith to come up so he can drive out the enemy in front of it. God is waiting for an individual that is willing to lift up a shield of faith. He's got a host of heaven standing by, and he's saying, that one's coming close. That one's in the middle of battle. That one's got the devil wrapped all around him. That one seems to be growing a little bit stronger. And, and, and real soon, angels, he's going to lift up that shield. And when he does, I want you to let loose. I want you to run to his aid. That's what he's waiting for waiting for someone to lift up the shield of faith so he can commission the host of heaven 
to go before it and drive out the enemy. It's exactly what happened with David. David lifted up that shield of faith and God let loose, loose on Goliath. David could have never killed that giant on his own. He, loose, he, he lifted up the shield of faith, church. I'm going to start bringing this to a close, even ask Pastor Zach to come. But here's what I want you to understand. David took up the shield of faith and he went forward in that faith. And he wrought victory for the children of Israel. David said, thou art a shield about me. You are the glory and the lifter of my head. I want you to understand that faith lifts us up and it never lets us down. Faith keeps our eyes fixed on him, the author and the finisher of our faith. Faith looks up unto the hills from whence cometh our help, because faith knows that our help comes from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. Amen. Faith says like Moses, when they're standing before a Red Sea, and they got Pharaoh and every single one of his soldiers and chariots and mighty men of valor marching against him. Faith says, look up, look up. For the enemy you see today, you will see no more forever. And I want you to know on that same day, God demolished a stronghold that had been established over their lives for 400 years. For 400 years, they had been in bondage to Pharaoh. And even though he let them go, church, he marched after them. There had to come a point. There had to come a moment for that stronghold to be demolished. And it happened or began to happen when Moses lifted up that shield of faith and he said, look up for the enemy you see today, you shall see no more forever. Think about the faith. 400 years under the thumb of Pharaoh. 400 years slaves to Egypt. 400 years of begging and borrowing. 400 years of, of burden upon their back. Wandering around. He's not sure where he, he can't even talk straight. He even tried to get out of this whole call. You know the story. I can't even talk straight, God. Think about the faith. Sees the all hell breaking loose against him. Pharaoh was probably madder than he had ever been, ever. I'm not about to let them go. I'm not going to give up. It's the way the devil is, church. As soon as you begin to march away towards your promise, he's going to come at you seven times greater than he ever came before. But Moses lifted up that shield of faith. And he said, look up. Look up. From whence your help comes. Because your help comes from the Lord. You see, the reality is there's some of you that need to step out in faith tonight. There's some of you that have been fighting the devil for four days, 40 days. That the army of Israel was battling for 40 days and 40 nights. They, they were operating in fear, petrified, paralyzed, filled with fear. 40 days and nights, even the king of Israel trembled. For 40 days and nights, the devil had a stronghold in their life until a ruddy little kid named David lifted up a shield of faith and that stronghold was demolished in a moment. 
So here's what the Holy Spirit's saying. Some of you tonight, you've got a stronghold in your life. It's something you've been battling. It's something you've been fighting. It's something you've been struggling with. It's something that that has caused you to be filled with fear or worry. But listen to me. God can't move in the midst of fear. I have not given you a spirit of fear, God said. But I have given you a measure of faith. And tonight God wants you to sow that seed of faith. Tonight God wants to step out in front of you and drive away your enemy. And I'm closing with this. If you've got a giant in your life, if you've got a hurdle in your life, if you've got an impossibility in your life, if you've got this obstacle in your life and you know I've got to sow a seed of faith, I actually want you tonight, I don't always do this, but I actually want you tonight to come from your seat and I want you to make your way to this altar. And if I've got prayer team and prayer partners, I want you to come up here first because God is waiting for someone to stand up and lift up that shield of faith so he can go before you. So I'm going to, any, anyone on the prayer team, come up. And here's what I'm asking, church. As they make their way, if you want to overcome instead of being overcome, if you want victory in your life this evening, you got to reach down deep and you got to pull out that seed of faith and say, God, I'm believing with all of my heart that you're going to break this stronghold. That you're going to overcome this situation in my life. If that's you, I want you to come. God is here. We're just going to pray with you. And God wants you to sow a seed of faith. Saying, God, I'm trusting you this evening to work a miracle in my life. You see, as you make your way forward, look, thank you for responding. Listen, you are stepping out in faith. You're stepping out like Goliath. You go ahead and pray over them, and I'm going to pray as well. But this is your opportunity to overcome Goliath in your life. Hallelujah. For those of you that are in the seat, just sing, pray, agree. Father God, this evening that you have given every single one of us a measure of faith. God, I'm thankful for those that have decided to exercise that faith this evening. God, they've risen up and they've put their hope and their trust and their confidence in you. God, they've lifted up that shield of faith against the enemy. 
I pray in the name of Jesus that you would step out in front of them. I pray, God, that you would take a host of heaven and that you would begin to drive out the enemy before them so that they might find victory in their valley. I'm thankful, Father God, that there's nothing too difficult for you. I thank you, Father God, for the full armor that you've provided us. God, I'm thankful that you've given us everything we need pertaining to life and righteousness. That you have not given us a spirit of fear, God, but of love and power and of a sound mind. Touch your people tonight. Take away the fear in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that you would apply the power of your blood to every heart that's in this house. I pray, God, that you would help us to reposition the the belt of truth if it's out of place, God. That it would become the foundation of our faith. Help us to put on the shoes, God, to carry the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. God, I thank you for the testimony that you've wrought on our behalf through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I pray that starting today, that the words that we speak would be worth speaking, God, and that they would contain the power of heaven. I pray, God, that you would give us the courage to go out into the highways and the byways and set someone free by the blood of the Lamb and by the power of our testimony. Give us courage to go into the dark places, O God. Give us courage to lay hands on the sick so that they might recover. Give us courage, Father God, to stand up for your gospel and defend your gospel and preach the gospel. I pray, God, that you would come against every Goliath this evening, that you would begin to tear down walls and that you would set the captive free. I thank you for the measure of faith that you have given us this evening. I pray that you would allow us to find freedom and victory because of it. We give you the praise and we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. One more time, sing that. You can tarry, otherwise be blessed in the name of the Lord.